piece of history is that a man by the name of Solomon Jones, who is well known in our area as an original road builder, he had a farm on the top of our mountain and he had a lookout tower and he had uh, he would sell his homemade peach ice cream. Um, and he had a guest by the name of George Vanderbilt. This is what local lore says, um, that his guest, George Vanderbilt, spotted the land that he purchased, which eventually became Pisgah National Forest. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Katherine Morris, the creator of Edenwood, a six acre oasis in the North Carolina mountains, just 45 minutes outside of Asheville. Catherine is an accountant by trade and spent nearly two decades climbing the corporate ladder, taking on big roles in both finance and human resources. And she loved the work that she did. But when COVID hit and her nine-year-old son was stuck at home doing school virtually, Catherine realized that it might be time for her family to make a change. She and her husband had always loved hosting people for dinner, and the two of them had recently discussed extending their love of hospitality into other arenas when the pandemic hit. Once it became clear that life wasn't going to return to normal anytime soon, Catherine decided to take an idea that she had been noodling on of creating a unique getaway for folks looking to reconnect with a loved one and nature into a reality. Tune in to hear the story of how Catherine found the perfect plot of land through cold calling, how she worked with a local architect to build a one-of-a-kind barn and treehouse, and how she hopes to fully replace her former salary with revenue from Edenwood over the next year. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Catherine. All right, Catherine, we are live. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Zach. Hope you are. I am. I am. It's a Monday as we're recording this, but I uh, had a pretty restful weekend, all things considered. So uh, excited for the week ahead. Um, I, I, I want to just dive right in and I want to hear a little bit about the story of, of Edenwood. So take us back to like the beginning, like where where does the story of Edenwood start? That's awesome. I would love to share. So back in 2020, when we were in the middle of the pandemic and both my husband and I had been a dual career couple for 18 years at that point, we had a son at home who was doing remote learning and we were looking and saying, my goodness, this is this is something much bigger than we ever anticipated. We're going to have to really change how we live because our lives are never going to be the same again. Our son's life is not going to be the same without some sort of major investment of time on our part. Mm. So we had always talked about Airbnb. And at that point, we began the search for property. Okay. And we looked all around um, the Hendersonville, North Carolina area, which is where 
we're based, um, about 25 miles south of Asheville, and looked at some not so great land and um, had some folks, you know, that were advising us saying, hey, like, you've got to be really cautious about the land that you choose. And we're also considering what type of property we were going to place on the land and just having a lot of conversations. And ultimately, um, during that time, we remembered that there was a beautiful um, home and a lot of land that had been for sale on our very mountain Wow, where we live. Um, and it had been for sale and never sold multiple times in the time that we had lived on this mountain. And so um, on that land, there was a pond and the former owner, she was extremely eclectic, <laughs> um, such an interesting person. We remember her. Um, and she had a black beehive. She drove a very tiny Mercedes on mountain roads. Um, she had some really interesting decor, um, but the the land, she was a meticulous gardener. Wow. And so she had um, planted her acreage with um, plants that were familiar to our area, just covered in azaleas and mountain laurel and rhododendron. So the property had been beautiful when she was living. And we decided to approach the estate and ask for them to sell us six acres. And it just so happened that when we approached the realtor that had previously listed the property, that it was just getting ready to go back on the market. Wow. So we had the opportunity to go ahead and negotiate a purchase of the piece of land that we wanted, which was six acres, which included an old cabin and a pond and um, some beautiful winter views of Mount Pisgah. Wow. And the valley, the Etowah Valley in our area. So that was something that we we feel super fortunate that we were able to accomplish before um, the entire estate went on the market. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, talk about sort of like needing to have the guts to to kind of go approach right the estate and and negotiate something when it when it, when it was at the time like off market. That's you know that's bold. What's funny about that, Catherine, is that a lot of the folks I've talked to on this podcast that end up getting great pieces of land, it does seem like they all have some sort of story where they kind of knocked on a bunch of random doors. You know, finally one kind of partially opened, and then they just decided to you know run full full, full speed ahead. It seems like finding like land is really difficult, especially like the right kind of land. And I feel like there's always just like a a fun or funky story around how somebody found the land. And and your story certainly aligns with that. Yes. And the the former owner, she had built a, a fence all along the six acres wow. that we purchased. So it was quite hidden. But because we live on the mountain, my hu- my husband is a um a very avid runner. So he runs the mountain um almost every day. Wow. And so he was familiar with it. And um, so that was something that enabled us just because of our familiarity with it, we were able to approach the estate and yeah. we knew what parcels that we wanted. Amazing. So you guys had thought about doing Airbnbs before. What what was it that was like attractive to you about about short term rentals? Like was it was it basically just, hey, we have always wanted to host and we want like a getaway? And what what's interesting about your story, right, is that you guys were acquiring property in an area that you that you lived, right? So it, it wasn't like you were going to the beach, right? And it was it, it was like a vacation home for you. It, this was very, it seems, strategically like a business decision. So what, what was it about short-term rentals that was attractive to you guys? 
Yeah, so this, the the land is on our mountain. We can walk to it and be there in less than 10 minutes. Wow. Um, so it, it was strategic for us to find an alternate income source yeah. so that we could take uh, a lot of what we had saved during my corporate years and take that nest egg and invest it in today. Yeah. So if you're familiar with the concept of... Um, sabbatical, a lot of people, yeah. they they work, 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 and then they retire and they have all this chunk of time. And it's, you may not even be in the place to do what you want to do with that chunk of time. Yeah. And so the concept of sabbatical is to take um, periodic breaks throughout the course of your career. Yeah. And we looked at that in terms of our finances as well as we are saving, 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 working really hard. But the most critical time we felt for our son was going to be the middle school and high school years. Yeah. And so we decided, well, we, we need an income stream. Yeah. Um, we also need time. Yeah. And so one of us is going to have to make a major pivot. And um, so we, we love hospitality. We have a lot of folks in and out of our home, Yeah. Um, but we also live a pretty hectic life. Yeah. And so hosting people in our home didn't seem to be overnight, didn't seem to be the best solution, but we do love hospitality. We also really feel strongly about getaways mm. um, that folks need space yeah. to, to get away, to reconnect with one another to have quiet yeah. um, reflection, and we we knew how valuable those were to us, especially in our son's early years yeah. um, when you're not sleeping much. <laughs> and so we wanted to create space for others to get away. So these are not properties that we stay in. Um, the Edenwood was specifically created for our guests, yeah, um, and as also a way for us to to pivot how we were spending our time. I love that. And as a as a uh, loose disciple, I, I was a stronger disciple at one point of Tim Ferriss. I, I like I obsessed over Tim Ferriss for for a solid couple years. Um, I, I listen to his podcast every once in a while now. But anyways, he talks all about like the, the importance of strategic sabbaticals. Right. And this idea of like, why do you wait until you're older? Maybe, you know, have some health challenges like less mobile to, to, to retire, right? Like it's like you, the, the most amount of free time you have is typically when you're like the oldest and oftentimes like the least, you know, mobile and healthy. And I remember reading that, reading his book Four hour work week in college and being like, Oh my gosh, like I, I need to like plan, start planning this out now. Right. Um, and it, it, anyways, it's, it's a lot harder, uh, said, uh, uh, or yes. I should say easier said than done, but, um, but I'm, I'm with you like this, being able to think strategically about like, what, what would this look like to just even have like a, an alternative life for a, a, f a couple years or, or, or a few years and you can always go back right like th that's the thing is like you've you've built up enough uh of a of a resume you have connections in the industry you you came from like uh human resources and, and recruiting is, is that is that right Yes. Well, actually, so I'm an inactive CPA in the state of Tennessee. Okay. So I have okay. to say I'm inactive in that state. <laughs> um, and also, I spent a large portion of my career serving in HR roles for accounting. Okay. Um, okay. And so for accountants. So I essentially spent most of my career either being an accountant or around accountants serving them. Um, so the, the really looking at, you know, kind of the perfect storm of, okay, 
hitting the middle school and high school years with our son. And also that's when our careers were really becoming the most demanding. Um, And we had to, we had to look and say, okay, how do we want to invest our time um, over these next several years? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I I mean, very different, but um, so my my wife and I, we just had our first, our first kid and um, he's uh, uh, eight months, actually he's nine months old now. And uh, you know, we've been having these, these similar conversations. I spent the last like decade working in growth marketing. She's an attorney. We both had like pretty intense jobs. And now actually since uh, uh, I've been doing this podcast and, and spontaneous, um, I've like, you know, left my, my day job to kind of do this. And I do a little bit of consulting still just to, you know, help pay a couple of the bills, but like, it, it's a similar thing, right? We, we were realizing like, Hey, you know, our son is the first year of life is intense as any parent knows. And, you know, we both still have the privilege to kind of be, we've, we've had the privilege of being remote since we, since we, since COVID hit. Right. And so we're like, Hey, this probably won't last for forever. You know, this is a temporary thing, you know, at least for now, but I have a ton of flexibility, for instance, to to help with my son in, in a way that I wouldn't if I was, you know, at my leading growth at the agency that I had worked at previously, right? So it is, it's cool. I, I do feel like COVID just did, I, I, I almost hate talking about this because it's been said a zillion times, but it really did like open up a lot of opportunities for people to just be like, wait a second, how do we want to design life? Maybe not forever, but how do we want to design life for this next period of time? So su- super cool that you guys made that move. And, and I'm sure it was really, really difficult to like come to that decision, but like impressive that you were able to do so. Yeah, well, I would say it is probably one of the biggest risks that I've personally ever taken. As an accountant, we are very risk averse <laughs> individuals as well as an HR professional. Just a risk aversion is my, the name of name of the game. Yeah. But the I just looked and thought the needs are great enough that um, we do have to take a risk. Um, and it it was the it was the right time. It was one of the hardest things just because my career I had invested so much yeah. in it. Um, and had in, invested a lot of time, energy, education, um, emotions. Yeah. So it's it's been a process, but I call it the the pandemic pivot. Yeah, the pandemic. That's great. That is that. I love it. Yo, friends, I want to interrupt this episode for just a few minutes to share this quick story with you. So unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard me talk about Minoan, a completely free platform to purchase everything that you need for your short-term rental. Well, the Minoan team has been a huge, huge supporter of Behind the Stays, and so I asked them if I could interview a few of their customers to get the inside scoop on their honest thoughts about the platform, and they agreed. So have a listen to the following quick story to better understand how Minoan works, how it compares to other offerings in the space, and why so many STR owners and operators trust Minoan to help them furnish their Airbnbs. So Allison, I want to hear the story of how your hosting journey got started. Sure. So I initially got into hosting short-term rentals because I thought it would just be a more fun type of real estate investment, but my background's actually in healthcare and human resources. And what I very quickly discovered is that it was a really cool way to leverage my service-oriented experience in a new way. And I have just fallen in love with it. And being able to be a part of creating really cool memories for people. And you have a new business that you recently launched called called Smart Stays. And you wanna just tell us a little bit about Smart Stays? 
I'd love to. So I am actually co-hosting properties for other vacation rental owners or just homeowners in general that are either not using their home, want to turn it into a midterm rental, a, a short-term rental, and uh, doing that in addition to managing my own properties. And I think it's just, for me, an easy way for me to help people maximize their investments and have a really good experience in the process. I love it. So Allison, I, I want to hear a little bit about how you first were introduced to to Minoan. Where did you first hear about them, if, if you can remember? I listened to every podcast you can imagine, and I heard about them on Thanks for Visiting. And so I very quickly um, did some research and was super excited about it. I also, somebody in one of my Facebook groups was talking about it and shared the referral code. And so, you know, I was like, you know, what do I have to lose? It's free to sign up, which I think is also just like amazing that it's free to sign up. So I sign up and um, little did I know how much that would really just help me in my journey in setting up a property, but it's been such a game changer for me. We were actually setting up one of my properties in Virginia and had a terrible time with, with deliveries. It's a little bit remote and so it was very challenging and we had to actually cancel three of the four bedroom furnitures and we were trying to launch on time and I was very stressed about it. But what I love about Minoan is they're so responsive. And so I quickly got on chat and was like, here's my issue. What do I do? And I, I met the most amazing person, Sage, and she helped me figure out how we were going to get some furniture, which honestly ended up way better. We got these amazing article beds and matching dressers and they look phenomenal. And um, they came on time. In fact, I think one of them came early. And so that was just one small experience for me of like, when you really need help in short-term rentals, you need it fast. Like no one wants to wait a month to launch <laughs> their property if they don't have to. And so that was one way for me that I think I became a loyal customer, just getting that help when you needed it. I actually first belonged to, and I still do, another like group purchasing organization for vacation rentals and short-term rentals. And I, that you have to pay to be part of that, that particular organization. And I would say that it's fine. I think what sets Minoan apart for me is the service and the access to real people. So I actually had quite a few issues placing orders with companies. And so that group purchasing organization served as a middle ground, but they didn't actually help me resolve my issues. And it was incredibly frustrating. And so the real reason I still belong to it is because the discounts are good, but I would, I'm always going to check first to see what Manoan has available because of the responsiveness. Basically any time of day, if you send a chat, you're going to get a response. If you call, someone's going to help you. I would also say like the feature to make things shoppable is pretty cool. And I didn't leverage that immediately, which is a regret because I actually get questions where people say, where'd you get this couch? Where'd you get this bed from? And so that's on my to-do list. And they have designers they can connect you with. As you kind of grow and and you continue to expand your business, like what are what are the next 12 to 24 months gonna look like for, for Smart States? Like do you have a do you have a specific like goal of, of where you want to be over the next one to two years? Absolutely. So for me, it's really just about helping more owners. It's growing my own portfolio in terms of what I want to buy, but it's also helping more owners. I think that unfortunately, you know, there's kind of a bad rap about what it means to be in our industry. And I think that it feels good to be part of the group that's doing it right and doing it well. And so I want to continue to do that for others. And so grow with managing for others, growing my own portfolio and just showing people what's possible. That's what I'm really excited about in terms of what's next. Allison, I am so thankful for you and your time. If you are listening to this conversation and you think Allison might be a good fit to partner with for a project that you're working on, we'll go ahead and have her website and her 
her contact info link in the show notes below. So you can go on, reach out to her and check out Smart Stays, follow her on Instagram. Uh, anywhere else, uh, Allison, that you'd want to send folks to? Yeah, definitely on Instagram. I'm Allison Loves R-E-I, and that's Allison with a Y. So A-L-Y-S-O-N Loves R-E-I. They can follow me there too. Wonderful. All right, Allison, thank you so much for your time. All right, folks, so you just heard about how great Minoan is, and again, it is totally free. So as soon as this episode is over, head on over to the link in the show notes below and create your free Minoan account. And when you do so, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. All right, guys, back to the episode we go. What, what's so interesting about that, right, is that, you know, there's certainly a lot of stereotypes about, about accountants, right? One, one of them being risk averse. But, you know, going from going from working as an accountant to now, like, building a hospitality brand, right? Like, you, you typically don't associate, like, branding and marketing with, like, accountants, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so it, it's really cool that, like, you've you've kind of carved out this creative outlet and this space to, to build, like, the Edenwood brand. So I, I want to hear a little bit about the build process process like did you go in knowing exactly like that you were going to build the barn and the treehouse or or how how did you come to terms with the kind of build that that you all wanted to create well so we we knew that we wanted two unique builds and just the the property in of itself it's it's wooded mountain land um and we thought that would really work well with a treehouse and then the other the other build we were trying to decide we initially thought there was an old cabin mm. a small cabin on the land that we bought and we thought that we could renovate it um but we have close friends and architect and design husband wife team rise root um here locally and they um advised us pretty immediately like hey this is a tear down so you're gonna <laughs> yeah. have to you're gonna have to build something on the spot of this old cabin which is really cool because the the mountain that we live on has a ton of history mm. so it was going to be developed into kind of a major resort area okay. in the 20s okay. and so there is a famous boxer by the name of Jack Dempsey he was a champion boxer and the development company hired him to come in and train during the summer in a lodge across the street from wow. our property. And so this was in the 20s. It was a, a big deal. He had a movie star wife. Um, they got a ton of publicity. And so he trained during that summer on our mountain and um, ultimately went and lost the fight that he trained for. And um, then the Great Depression hit, the wow. stock market crash. So it spoiled the plans of the resort development on the, la- on the mountain. Um, the other piece of history is that a man by the name of Solomon Jones, who is well known in our area as an original road builder, he had a farm on the top of our mountain. Wow. And he had a lookout tower and he had uh, he would sell his homemade peach ice cream. Um, and he had a guest by the name of George Vanderbilt. This huh. is what local lore says, <laughs> um, that his guest, George Vanderbilt, spotted the land that he purchased, which eventually became Pisgah National Forest. Wow. So obviously folks know the Vanderbilt family from the Biltmore. And yep. um, so that is on our very mountain. And um, we we knew that we wanted to build something that had an Appalachian sense of place mm. that honored the history of the mountain. Um, we So we wanted 
something that fit and did a lot of research. And I remember being out on my porch early one morning and kind of scrolling through and seeing like the tobacco barns that I grew up around in East Tennessee and that kind of prominent single top window at the top of a tobacco barn just really stood out to me. And I was like, we need to build, you know, kind of a barn cabin. Yeah. And so we essentially said, we want a tree house. We want a barn. Um, we want an outdoor shower at the treehouse, and we want some sort of spa area um, in the loft at the barn. And then we just kind of set our our rise root architecture and design team free, wow. um, knowing that that is what they do best. And we thought that the unique builds would be the most unique if we let them do um, what they do yeah. with their their gifts and their talents and their abilities. So from that, we we didn't provide much input at all. Wow. That, um, yeah. So, yeah. So that was also some some folks might say, oh, that's crazy, but that's just not our wheelhouse. Yeah. And so we wanted we wanted our friends who are amazing at what they do to to do their job, which I'm sure they really appreciated because I'm sure that every client that they work with is is, is not is not quite like that. Um, but but yet it's it is it's funny, right? It's like, hey, these are the professionals in this space. Like, let them do their thing. You know, who who are you, right? To yeah, to, yeah. to be on sort of like you know, yes, cast sort of a, a broader like you know thirty thousand foot like vision of what you're going for, but then let the people that know what they're doing do do what they do best. What what's also really cool about that that story and um. One of the things I've been so impressed with when I talk to people like you, Catherine, who are doing really great things in the space is th- there's a lot of like bad press and, and bad rep that like short-term mental hosts get, uh, especially as, you know, things that ha- like what just happened in New York City with, you know, preventing short-term rentals um, that are fewer than 30 days from from operating in, in, in most of the city and, and whatnot uh, is that a lot of you care very deeply about like, the history and the place and it's always impressive to me when i have people on the show that talk about how much work they did to to almost like listen to what is the land you know calling for like who 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 you know should we build for and it's all very very intentional intentional and in many ways it's almost like a a homage to 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 sort of you know what was right and and and, and creating spaces so that people can come experience that and then also sort of like simultaneously dream about what they're building and like what's what's next for them and and you guys in, in the space that are doing this this work uh, I'm just I'm just so impressed by and and I wish that there was more coverage of that cuz cuz that is really cool you know like that you you guys have been very very intentional with what you're trying to design who you're trying to design it for and and I think quite quite respectful right uh, of of the place in which your builds live so anyways I I, I just encourage anyone who's you know in, in media that might be listening to this to to find find some of these stories too because these these are great stories that are worth highlighting well I mean we we live in our community we love our community um we've made it home since 2008. And also the neighbors that surround us, we wanted to care for them in the process. Um, And also very aware of kind of that tension around short-term rentals with 
the availability of affordable housing and yep. single family homes. And so we actually chose not to compete in that area. Mm. So our, our properties aren't single family homes. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they just have kitchenettes. Um, so it's, it's kind of walking that fine line and making sure that you can accomplish what you need for your own business, but also do what's best for the community yeah. um, and be a good neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, so important. So you you do you build both the treehouse and and the barn at the same time? Well, so we had a, a local builder. He actually um so he had his own company and it was just the right time. He was looking back to get back into, you know, the the space of building private homes. And so we actually did kind of piggyback both together. Nice. So um, it took the barn, the barn was a much bigger build. And it was, you know, if you see the large windows and the the tall ceilings, it was, it was an intense build. So most of the time was spent on it. But when weather would permit, there would be, you know, work on the treehouse. And we did, uh, especially my husband, I can't really take too much of the credit, but we did some some major sweat equity on the land and including digging the treehouse footers wow. and self-pouring the concrete wow. and um, just some, some massive amounts of manual labor were necessary to, to get the property in shape and ready. So um, the builds really started in winter of 2020 or th that December, November, 2020. Okay. And the barn was opened early November, 2021. And the treehouse was opened March, 2022. Okay. Wow. Amazing. So, so builds were happening, you know, more or less simultaneously. When, when you look back, uh, I always like asking people who do ground up builds this question, like, is there anything that you that you would have done differently? Or like, if you could have done something that now that you've had, you know, a year plus of guests kind of staying at, at these spaces, is, is there something that you think you guys overlooked or 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 missed that you think you you wish you could have added in and not not something just like a hot tub, which you could add, right? Like something something beyond a little bit more significant than that. So we are, we're really hands on with the property. We don't we can't see the properties from where we live personally, and that yeah. was intentional as well. Um, I don't want our guests that are on a getaway to feel like that where we can see see them <laughs> and them not have that privacy. The but we are out there regularly. I would say at least five, sometimes six days a week, yeah. turning properties over, getting them ready, and so we're we're very hands-on high touch when it comes to the properties um the treehouse my husband found the plot that we have the treehouse sitting on by literally walking the six acres the wooded six acres and came upon a clearing of rhododendron and mountain laurel that was overlooking you know winter views in mount pisca and he was like this is where the treehouse needs to be yeah. it's at the back of the property you know we built a three-minute walking trail um all the way down to the treehouse wow. and um um, and didn't really think about the amount of work it was going to require to get supplies, including a ton of firewood for our <laughs> wood-fired hot tub down and up that mountain. Yeah. Um, so I do wish that we had established some sort of pulley system and, and we could still add that in the future or made sure that the trail was wide enough and had a <laughs> circular turnaround for um, some sort of, you know, <laughs> 
uh, golf cart, gorilla cart, whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. But um, we do have a cart for our guests, but it's it's still you're pulling it. It's it's work. So needless to say, we we put in a lot of steps yeah. <laughs> when we're dealing with the tree house. Um, it, it can be quite a bit. So yeah. we didn't really think about the work that we were going to be doing. We just thought mostly about the guest experience. And <laughs> now we're, we're really tired. Someday. Yeah. 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 But I bet you guys have really strong cats, you know, uh, with all, yeah, well, oh, yeah, all yeah. those yeah. steps. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, I guess it was a pretty good weight loss plan yeah, honestly, there you go. There during, you go. during COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. And, and what's, what's funny about that is like, you know, you guys were optimizing for like views right and like where where do we want to put the structure which is what you should have been doing right but you know you 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 forget right oh wow people have to get to this and oh wow we have to we have get to get to, to this, this. Yes. regularly so, <laughs> yeah so it's been an interesting conversation with like the tree house you know it's definitely to to give privacy is really important obviously for getaways yeah um and so there's a time and a place to be in a big bustling area, but for getaways, you want privacy. And so um, that's what we were seeking to maximize, to have two structures on a six acre plot, but you can barely see one for the other, but still have ample parking and, you know, convenience. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. So when you guys started this, what what were your expectations in terms of like its performance as as a business, right? So you guys, again, took a very uh, uh, disciplined, uh, strategic approach to to creating Edenwood. Uh, what what did you hope, you know, would happen in the first couple of years? And like, like, how have those how have reality like measured up to to those hopes, again, from from like a business standpoint? Well, ultimately, we were seeking to replace my income, um, and I was working at the very last year and a half. I, I was working for a nonprofit, so obviously, my nonprofit income was different from my previous, you know, corporate large accounting firm income. Yeah, yeah, so sure. um, I had already made a slight change to try to pivot some of the way I was spending my time um, to be to be more present here physically versus traveling and on the road. Um, but ultimately, we were really just trying to replace that nonprofit income, yeah. um, not really eyeing the previous corporate income. And so uh, we also were following closely some properties that were doing well, that were branded very well. Um, so we kind of knew and we knew the pricing that folks could get in our area. Yeah. Um, 
around, you know, unique builds. So we had a good sense. Um, And so I would say, obviously, we entered the market during its peak of kind of the revenge travel. Um, Some of that has softened a bit, but um, we've just been all in on marketing and continuing to invest in the early years of our business. Um, And so while we've seen some softening, um, I don't think it's as stark as maybe some other, you know, properties that don't have strong branding. Yeah, yeah. So you guys invested a lot uh, up front in in sort of the the brand. and, And where does the name Edenwood come from? So it really comes from the fact that the land, you know, we remember our, the former owner, we remember the beauty, um, and also it had set really for multiple years, just unattended. So wow. a forest floor that has been unattended for years and years and years, like there was a ton of clearing, it was hidden behind a fence that was, you know, really falling down and decaying. And so we wanted to restore it to its former beauty, um, yeah. to honor um, to honor the mountain and the history and the former owner. And also um, thinking of Eden and the Garden of Eden and um, a restoration and beauty and uh, creating a space where people could come, reconnect, unplug, um, and really uh, reflect on who they are yeah. and their purposes and return to what they do every day with a renewed vigor and a remembrance. And so, you know, we don't have TVs at our property. That's intentional yeah. um, because we really want the focus to be the beauty of the surroundings. Yeah. Um so we do have Wi-Fi because I knew that you know new parents yeah. <laughs> need to be able to FaceTime their kids, and so um, so I, I felt like that was important for for folks that were parents and trying to get away, um, as well as to be connected to work if you needed to be. But yeah. um, we we specifically don't have a lot of plugged in entertainment yeah. um, at our properties. Yeah, which I think is uh is is very on brand, um, and and it, again, it is something that like. People, you know, people that are seeking an escape, a getaway, a, an opportunity to disconnect. Why put like all this temptation like right in front of them, right? <laughs> Make them do a little work of at least, okay, if you have to catch up on your show, like fine, like here's the Wi-Fi password, right? You got to watch it from your laptop or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you have to do a little bit more work, a little more work to do yeah. that at our, at our properties. Uh, exactly. So I'm curious, you know, from from a business standpoint, like how how close are you roughly to being able to replace your your nonprofit salary? Has that like been able to happen? Are you, are you close to that? Like, you know, where are we at there? Yeah. So we definitely, um, so we invested, you know, quite a bit of our nest egg. Um, and also, um, we didn't take out a construction loan, but we did, um, you know, do some personal financing. And so we, um, have essentially paid that off. And so now, you know, we're, we're looking to, um, replace that nonprofit income. And we anticipate that that will be, you know, possible in the next year, barring any sort of, you know, crazy uh, calamity swan events, yeah. <laughs> like another pandemic or something, but yes. Oh, that's amazing. That's very impressive given that like you guys are just starting out, right? The treehouse didn't even open until you said 2022, right? Right, uh, right. And the, the barn opened in late 2021. So that's, that's remarkable. Um, and, 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 you know, totally a testament, I'm sure to, to your all's like hard work. I, I am curious about the fact you, you clearly, you and your husband decided we want we we wanted to design a little bit of a different life for ourselves, at least for this next chapter. 
you could have done a lot of other things, right? Like you, you could have gone part-time, you could have, you know, gone and maybe done consulting. And you, like there's prop, there's plenty of other ways you could have spent less time, right? Doing, uh, doing the work that, that you, you, you know, you know, and, and you love and, and that you're qualified to do. Um, why, why hospitality? Like what, what it, clearly, I guess you, you like hosting people in your home, but, but this is, this is a lot of work, right? It's a different kind of work. Yes. But but it but it is a lot of work. So so why did you come to that decision? Well, we we love um, having people in our home and creating experiences for them when they're here and serving them. And so that was a natural affinity. Um, both my husband and I feel like that is something that we're gifted at doing. And also, um, I went in my years of corporate travel. I stayed in some pretty wonderful, amazing places. Like I was fortunate to work for companies. You know that that really rarely said you can only stay at such and such yeah, hotel. Yeah, like yeah. I got to stay at some really nice places. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the benefit of being in some hardworking industries, you know, especially like accountants work really, really hard. So I was fortunate to see a lot of great um, places and, you know, high-end hospitality and understand, you know, what that service looks like yeah. and also understand, okay, when I go to a property for a getaway, this is what I want it to look like. These yeah. are touches. So I had a lot of travel experience and um, I love creating experiences for people and felt like I could do that. The other piece is that I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but uh, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loosely, but I, I can never remember. I know there's like, are there seven? Is it seven or nine? I, it's actually nine. nine? Okay, yeah. Okay. So the, the reason that I love Enneagram is because it really, it speaks to where you are when you're healthy and when, you know, you may not be in such an unhealthy space. So hmm. it helps you to identify like, whoo, like some of these tendencies here, I may not be in my most healthy space. You know, what, what do I need to do to, to pivot out of this? Yeah. And it took me a while because I initially thought I was an Enneagram one, which is a perfectionist, which goes with a lot of accountants and okay. that type of thing. Okay. Um, but then I had folks around me that were like, I don't really know if this is exactly you. And it took me a while to figure out that I'm actually an Enneagram three, which is the performer. Mm. Um, but I'm a specific subtype that is a performer that it values extreme humility. Hmm. So I want to be like working hard, performing at a very high level, producing great results, but I don't want to really want to be out front. So this was even a risk for me to reach out to you and say, Hey, like, <laughs> I think we might be a fit because having my face on camera, like, I'm like, can you please black it out? Like, I don't really want to, you know, have my face on camera and uh, specifically, you know, we real unless guests want to meet us or if there's a problem with the physical property, like they're not seeing us and meeting us yeah. because um, I want to create amazing experiences for our guests, but I want to be super behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so I'm setting it and I'm like, you know, making it perfect for them to walk in and you know, enter their getaway, but I want to be out of the picture. Yeah. Oh, just possible. So I thought that, you know, I realized that that really lent itself well to hospitality yeah. because you're, it exists for, you know, even what exists for our guests and what I do exists for them. Um, and I don't have to be out front, you know, getting the credit. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's that's like an incredibly thoughtful response. I, I that that was fantastic. And you, you know you're you're so right. The 
when you go to a nice place, right? Like the higher end the the hotel is, like the less present people you know seem to be and yet at the same time anytime you need anything like they're there right and, and fully there and um yeah that's that that's a really interesting uh analysis there i i, I love it I, I i you know i don't think anyone's used like the enneagram before as a way to explain how they got into hospitality and yet that's a that's a wonderful story um tell me the story about the you guys have like this huge like soaking tub is that in the treehouse or the barn it's at the, well, so the barn has a huge, like, 150-gallon um, soaking tub in the loft. In the loft, yes. Okay. Yeah, so um, some folks have been like, whoo, that was a big risk. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we could have had, like, another bedroom up yeah. there, you know, and, like, we were like, we want a total kind of spa-like getaway. We want to draw. That's different. Um we, we thought, you know, it's a perfect kind of, you know, wintertime escape here. Um, so you've got something that's not, you know, dependent upon weather, um, at the barn. And so, yeah, that, that is a very big tub. Um, it takes quite a bit of time to fill because, you know, (laughs) we have that, that slower faucet, slow experience, um, for your getaway, but, yeah, so that's at the barn in the loft. And then at the treehouse, we have a cedar wood-fired hot tub. Wow. So, um, and that actually, it seats five. Um, we did that intentionally. So if folks want to rent the treehouse and rent the barn with friends, they can converge still oh, and both enjoy the soaking tub. Yeah, oh, but oh. it's it it can take up to, you know, three to five hours to heat up with the with the um, the wood burning stove, especially during the winter. Again, part of that slow down experience. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. When I when I was looking through your photos and I I saw I saw the tub in the loft, I was like, I have literally and I was like, I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of short-term rentals at this point and i have never seen somebody do this so that was like immediately i was like that's cool like this is different that must have been like a beast to put up there but um very very cool and i will say you know not to not to be stereotypical you know mountain girl but it did sit on our front porch for quite some time (laughs) as the build slowed down i was like we have got to get this tub off my porch like that was kind of low point in the build Uh, Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. So a couple final questions for you. One is around, you, you clearly 
could have just listed these properties on on Airbnb or, or Verbo, right? Some some OTA and and not like built a brand around it. And I've asked this, I asked this question to most guests that come on on the podcast because I am curious about that trade off, right? Like building a brand, right? Marketing. You guys have a website. You like you are working with folks to take great photos, and you're now on this podcast, right? So. It's a lot of work, right? Um, and I'm curious from your your perspective, how did you come to that decision? Like, why did, did you know from the beginning that you were interested in creating uh, a hospitality brand that sort of encompassed your your short term rentals, or did you ever think, hey, maybe we'll just do Airbnb and Verbo and just kind of like not brand the places? Or how how did you come to this decision? Well, it was I I personally felt like if we didn't have two builds that it would be harder to brand. Yeah. Um and so having two builds I I felt like supported us branding. We have room for a third. It would probably be a good while maybe never um, <laughs> to build a third after what we experienced with two. Um you kind of need you kind of need a sabbatical from building. Yeah. <laughs> as well. So um but I really for us, the branding was more around the purpose of the property, mm. which is the reason they were created were for our guests to get away yeah. and have a space that they knew they could disconnect and reconnect. Um, and so really it was more about marketing the purpose of the properties because, you know, our area is a huge, um, place for folks to family vacation, bring their family. So it's quite a risk for us to build properties that are adults only. Yeah. Yeah. You know, each sleep up to two. So yeah. that was, you know, we didn't actually go after the target market for our area. Yeah. Um, so branding really was around the purpose for the properties who we're trying to market to and really, you know, what, what is the end result that we really want? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that's probably one of the reasons you guys have been able to be quite successful. Jeez, can't say that word today. Uh, so far, right? Because like you, you did something different, right? And not just like the unique stay, right? Not just the unique build, but also realizing, hey, most people come here with their families. Like, there's a lot of like cab, larger cabins and lodges, and like it's a, it's almost like you know families plural kind of come and travel together and stay in this area. Hey, what if we don't market to that segment, right? Um, yeah. And I think that that's always wise anytime you're looking at a market and you're evaluating the quote unquote like competition is, you know, what what is the primary reason for people to travel here? And is there a secondary or tertiary reason that is less uh, is, is, you know, less populated? There's there's less supply for. And if so, how do we how do we become that that supply? Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very, very well. Uh, in, in, you know, clearly a lot of intention went into thinking this through my um my last question for you is just now that you're in the hospitality space right and you uh you're you're a business owner in this space as you think about like the future of travel and and hospitality like what are some what are some hot takes that you have or what are some beliefs that you have around how the next few years of the industry will unfold well i definitely agree with the experts and many with whom you work um that it is we have to treat it like a business. Yeah. So I work as hard, if not harder, but just differently. So the time that I need to be available for my son, you know, 99% of the time I'm available. Yeah, yeah. And so I needed to be able to work differently, but it is still a lot of work. <laughs> um, and you have, you know, we've been really strategic about what we choose to outsource. Cause you could essentially about outsource everything, yeah. but, um, 
uh, we've been really strategic about what we have chosen to outsource because of the guest experience and because of where we feel like we're really strong and have that expertise. Um, so for, for me, you know, I've tended to outsource, you know, to tech experts because yeah. that is something that I don't have even in, you know, my 19 year, you know, business corporate career, I didn't have a lot of background with tech. So I'm, you know, connecting with folks like you and other organizations that there's a strong tech savviness. Um, but other, a lot of the part of the guest experience, like we have chosen not to outsource. Yeah. So, but it, so it's a lot of work. Yeah. It is not a passive activity and nor do we want it to be because again, we exist for the guest experience. Um, and so we needed to hold that close to home. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of inquiries, you know, hey, what did this cost you? You know, and I'm like, it's really it, it's it's not a quick and easy solution if you're looking to replace your income. Yeah. Um, and that's that's OK. Like we we chose this and I, I want to be close to the guest experience. Um, the other piece that I would say is that, you know, we we've chosen to be pretty authentic with our brand. And so there are things that I could be doing from a marketing perspective that would probably garner me more attention from, you know, certain algorithms and get me more followers, but that's not really consistent with our brand. Yeah. And so we've chosen to really focus our marketing on, you know, aligning with the guest experience when they're here. Yeah. And so um, I'm just not going to be pommeling people with content, um, you know, um, not a not a ton of video, um, yeah. even though I know that that would probably be more highly favored algorithmically. Um, so we've we've been authentic, you know, even to the point sometimes where it's maybe not been the best for business, <laughs> but it's been authentic to our brand. Yeah. And I do think that that is kind of an ethical decision that we all need to really look at is, you know, how, how do we want to be authentic, um, in a, you know, in the world of algorithms yeah. and, um, you know, how do we reach the right people and how do we steward our business? Well, so that's something I think a lot about, um, and it's a constant discussion, you know, with us as we run our businesses, how do we market, market well, you have to market, but how do we stay true to our brand? Yeah, which is, that that's like the million dollar question, right? And it's like, just because something is, just because everyone's doing something and it's like right now on social in like the cabin, short-term rental world, I, there are all these like, you know, POV videos of like POV, like you, you wake up in like the middle of a forest, right? And like, it's literally like this template that like everyone is, is using and jumping on. And you're right, like the algorithm is favoring that right now, right? And and I think, like I was talking to somebody the other day actually who said something similar. They're like, I know I could do this and our places look great and they could, it would perform really well, but it's just like not who we are. Like it's like, like we, like they were saying, we love when people get here and they're surprised by how much more beautiful it is than like what they saw on social. And they were like, and I've got friends in the field that sometimes it's like the social makes it look uh, 10 times better than it actually is and they get there and they're, they're almost like a little like let down right it's not like as like you know beautiful as, as they had thought so anyways all that is to say is thinking about how you want how you want to portray your brand uh, and the vehicles like these are all tools right to to better explain who you are and and what you guys do and, and why you do it they're not meant to to chain us and and i think at times it, it can feel that way like if you don't do right. this like you're missing out like how dare you not do this right yeah. uh so I, I love that perspective 
Yeah. And we've chosen and thankfully, you know, had some great partnerships with influencers and we've chosen to work with influencers who align well with the brand. So we've been really specific and strategic about um, those decisions and not just going with what is expected in the industry, but also the folks that we feel like really understand and can portray our brand well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, Catherine, this has been such a awesome conversation. I really appreciate you sharing a little bit about your story, the the Edenwood story. And I'm just I'm just really excited about what you guys are up to. And I'm eager to see sort of like what happens next, how you continue to grow the brand, uh, whether or not a third property ends up coming uh, in, into the mix or not. Um, so thank you so much for taking this time to, to chat. If folks want to f- find you and follow up with you and ask you some questions about the treehouse build or, or, or the barn build, uh, I'll have your Instagram linked below. Is there is there anywhere else you'd want folks to kind of connect with you or is that the best place? Instagram's great. Our website is EdenwoodNC.com. So we can be found there. Um, they can also find us on Spontaneous yes. and um, <laughs> sign up and follow our properties there, which I think is a great solution for folks looking for um, good last minute travel deals. So thanks for the work you're doing in that space. Ah, oh, well, thank you. Uh, and I did not pay Catherine to say that folks. So <laughs> you did not. That's authentic. I, I can attest to that. <laughs> uh, well, great. We'll have all those links in the show notes below, but Catherine, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Zach. It's been a pleasure. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.